0: Disciple making in the local church. So I'm going to go 20 minutes and somewhere along by that clock. And then we're going to have about 10 minutes of questions. Now, please understand that in general, church is a business in the United States. We have buildings and people and bills to pay. And we need more people. And so there's a couple of ways you can get that. If you can do signs and wonders, you can recruit. Everybody will come to see you. Or if you're a real good preacher, they'll come to see you. Or if you have a great music program, they'll come to see you. So one of the difficulties that the local church has is getting lost in the business of running the church rather than the fruit that comes from the Spirit. It's difficult to do both of those. There's a book called The Trellis and the Vine that actually describes this paradox. Jesus didn't have that problem. Why? He didn't have a building. He didn't have staff that he has to pay. Well, he didn't. It's hard to run a church that way. Okay. So you can see why we've come to where we have in the way we do church in the world, really, but the U.S. and and the U.S. has kind of helped lead the way in the last hundred years. So when you think about getting out into a local church, don't miss that you need to make disciples and some other things. And don't get too busy with the business of church. Here's an example. You can talk to the staff of any church and you can ask them, tell, us, tell me what you talk about in your staff meetings. Would anybody like to guess what most churches talk about in their staff meetings? Go ahead and mention anything you'd like to. Budget. Budget. Money. Attendance. Attendance. People. (laughs) We need need more of both. (laughs) They talk about events and activities. They very seldom talk about training leaders or making disciples or even prayer. Notice that the apostles refused to wait tables in order to do what? Two things. Do you remember what they are? Out of Acts. That we may give ourselves to two things. Do you remember what they are? Say again? Teaching. Teaching, The ministry of the word. That's one of them. Prayer. Prayer. Where's the prayer room in your local church? Can you find it? I bet you can find Fellowship Hall or the gym or the auditorium. Good luck finding the prayer room. We don't need a prayer room. Please don't misunderstand me. But please understand that the business of church will keep you from doing the business of the spirit. Be careful. So in talking about making disciples... We have a young mother back here with a couple of little ones. Now, suppose—well—is <clears throat> she the mother? Maybe not. Okay. Okay. So, well, like I said, we have a young mother back here with a couple of children. I was still right. I'll—I'll—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make an appointment for my beating later, but. <laughs> So notice that in raising children, if you really want to know what disciple making is like, talk to the mother. Let me give you an example. How does a six-month-old baby know that it is loved? Six-month-old baby, how does it know that it's loved? Okay, attention, what else? Care. Care. What else would you name? Cuddle. Cuddle. It needs to be held. It takes a lot of emotion and physical because the baby doesn't understand words and logic. So I could say to my six-month-old child, okay, Brett, my first child, Brett, We birthed you. Good luck. Here's a couple of books. Here's some food. (laughs) Bathroom's over there. Good luck. No, I can't do that. Day after day, you're going to do it over and over. It's a hoot watching a mother try to teach a child to eat. It's funny at six months. It's not funny at 15 Many Christians never grow up. They get to the six-month mark and stay there for 50 or 60 or 70 years. That's tragic. It takes a village, works in politics. It doesn't work in the body of Christ. It takes both a corporate approach and an individual approach. Would somebody quote us Matthew 28, 19 and 20? Belt it out. In four-part harmony, if you want to. Somebody stand up and belt that thing out. Matthew 28. Anybody got that one? Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Sure, go ahead. If you know it, stand up and have at it. Okay. Uh, go there for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Thank you very much. Who did he give that command to? Disciples. Did he give it corporately or individually or both? Both. It's a both and. By the way, is that a command or a suggestion command or a suggestion? It's a command. It's not a suggestion. If you want to do what Jesus wants to do, then that's one of the things you want to make sure that you do. Jesus didn't give commands about the business of the church. Thou shalt have a building, big building, nice building with nice furniture and lots of money. And thou shalt have activities every day of the week for every possible age group. That's in the book of hesitations. <laughs> not in the not in the real Bible. Okay. So, I'm going to give a brief description of how I was discipled. And I want you to see that you can do this in the local church. So, a key thing I want to sell you on today is it takes individual attention with corporate attention. For instance, this church does very well corporately. Many people in this church actually do very well individually. There's no team often approach. I don't know how they're doing in this church right now, but very often churches don't have a team approach to that. So that if we don't talk about anything else in staff meetings, we talk about people and making disciples. And that doesn't happen in most staff meetings. That's too bad. All right, may I have that... uh, the slides I've got several here uh, I'm just going to use one of them all right now notice on this this gives the spectrum of the growth of a brand new Christian to leader it doesn't have to be just like this this is in kind of the navigator context with college students we also do this with business people in Haiti and every place else So these are scriptural principles. They're not navigator made. I want to make that very clear. And I picked out these four because this is what we tend to do in the navigators. Doesn't have to be just like this. But in general, if you're going to make disciples, you need some profile for what that is. If you're going to make leaders, you need some profile for what that is. And your team can get together and choose those out of scripture. So these are just examples. I want to point out that when I, when I say convert, what, it takes one year to make a convert. I don't mean to get them converted. That only takes about 15 seconds. It takes about a year to get a convert to a point where they're walking with Christ consistently. It's like raising a baby. So how long does it take to get a baby to the point where it can go to the bathroom by itself, eat by itself, and put on its own clothes? How long does that take? What? Well, give me some, give me some years. Ladies, ladies are going to have to do this. The guys don't know. (laughs) Actually, some guys might, but I don't want moms to answer this. How long does it take? Three, two to three, four to six. six. Okay. So notice the, the age is there. That's right. It takes a long time to get them to that point. And that's what we're talking about with a convert. It takes about two years total, not two more. To make a disciple, that is a person who is consistent in the basic disciplines of the Christian life and the basic attitudes and faith of the Christian life and now are serving in the body of Christ. It takes about three years total to make a worker. That's a person who is making disciples and is helping lead small groups and helping plan all that the body of Christ does. Uh, And it takes about five years total to make a leader That's a person who can lead teams, perhaps the whole organization or part of the organization. It goes slowly. This, by the way, actually takes longer with working people than it does students because working people are not available. They're working, (laughs) which is what they should be. It goes more slowly and they're distracted by all kinds of things, kids and debt and job and car and truck and so on. All right. um, I'll I'll explain more about this illustration in a second. The guy who discipled me when I came to him, here's how much I knew I was a brand new Christian. I became a Christian in March. I was drafted in April during Vietnam in the army. And uh, this guy helped me. So I was about two months into being a Christian when this guy met me. I tried to read the Bible one time. I started in the book of Genesis. And when I got to Exodus, I went out with the children of Israel and quit reading the Bible. (laughs) Because I had no idea what I was going to do with it. And this guy began to help me. Here's the first thing he said to me when he met me at chapel on a Sunday morning on the base in Colorado Springs. He said, Brad, are you a Christian? I said, yes. And he said, how do you know? And I said, I don't think anybody can know. I said, yes, because I became a Christian largely because of the gospel presentation of Billy Graham. I had no clue how that you would know. Now, Graham explains that in some of his books, but I didn't catch that part. And my dad had said he didn't think you could know you were Christian. So I thought that must be the answer. So I said that. He started right then, that minute, and taught me 1 John 5, 11 and 12. Does anybody know those two verses? The first two verses. Okay. Say them. know that you have life. It's kind of like a driver's license. The devil says, you're not a Christian. You think, okay, let me pull this thing out and tell you. It's by faith. It's not by feeling. He started that day discipling me. And then that week he came out to the base. He worked in town. He was about 30 years old working in town. He came out to the base and spent two hours with me. The first thing we did was he taught me how to have a quiet time. First, he did one with me. Then he explained how to do it and said, now this week I'd like for you to work on that. And I did. I did one all week. <clears throat> I started memorizing verses. I, that was my first verse, first, first two verses, First John 5, 11, and 12. Now listen, this guy is a working stiff in town. I'm a soldier. He saw me a minimum of six times a week. Even if there was a large group activity... He made sure that he spent time with me. Now, please understand this mother and her children. You could have a hundred kids in here. If if her children start crying and they're across the room, do you think she'll hear them? The women say yes. (laughs) The guys sometimes don't know. I don't care how many of their children there are. She will hear hers and she will attend to hers. And that's what this guy did with me. He saw me every time we were, had a chance to be around each other, gave me personal attention and he made sure that I began to walk with Christ. So he checked me on verses and quiet time and all like that. And we prayed together. So notice the words there with him. That's a big deal in making disciples. He did it with. So that's what mom does. Mom is helping this baby learn to go potty. She does it with baby many, many times. Please don't tell somebody how to read the Bible. Take 15 minutes and tell them how to read the Bible and then expect them to do it. Please don't do that. Sit down with them with the Bible. Show them what the numbers and the letters mean. Read the Bible with them multiple times. It will take months for them to learn to read the Bible. And you'll have to stick with them that whole time. That's what's missing Most of the time in the local church, the only time people learn is when they come to Sunday service or a Sunday school class or a college class like this. And they hear somebody preach. That's not enough. You'll never be mature in Christ that way. And that's what's holding us back from reaching the world for Christ. Notice that Jesus Christ had large crowds almost every day. What was his top priority in ministry? His disciples. His disciples. Top priority. Now let's see. If you look in John chapter 224, it says that many believed on his name when they saw the miracles which he did. The next verse says, but he did not entrust himself to them because he knew all men. Guess what happened to those people 4 chapters later? In John 6, what happened? They walked away. And several chapters later, they helped kill him. Good luck with your large crowds. Many aspire, few attain. Don't give your life to the half-hearted. If you do, you will become half-hearted. You've got to find a few girls, ladies, Guys, you got to find a few guys and you pour your life into them just like this mother does these children. By the way, let me tell you, she knows where this is at. My youngest son, Jason, today is a successful code cruncher, computer programmer. The first time he voluntarily told my wife, I appreciate what you, how you raised me and what you did for me. The first time he did that voluntarily without a teacher telling him to do it, 22 years old. Can you wait that long? Because that's what it's going to take. You're going to give your life to disciples and they're not going to praise you. Till later. It's going to cost you. You're going to die to self if you're going to make disciples. If you don't understand what I mean, go talk to mom. She will tell you what it's like at 3 a.m., 1 a.m. Sick. Children vomiting all over. She'll tell you what that's like. And a cranky husband, maybe. That's what it's going to take to make disciples. It's going to cost you your life. Now, I want to show you here that it takes a long time. And the kind of disciple-making that I described that was done to me, he only did that for four months, and then he moved away. He had to go to another campus. I was on the base. He actually went to a campus In southern Colorado to start a ministry. In four months, I went from being a complete idiot to knowing about 30 verses, having done Bible study every week, discipling other guys in just four months. That's amazing. The difference that Jesus makes when you give your life to somebody. The next guy who came along to help me, he came to my barracks. He came in, and in those days, we had notebooks in the NAV group. We were expected to have them. We kept track of everything. He said, okay, open your notebook. Sat down on my bed. He sat down on the bed. He preached at me for an hour. He got done and prayed, closed the notebooks, and he left. I thought, okay, I see what's going on here. I went from having a parent to having a taskmaster. He didn't care. These are not projects, folks. These are people. And they're Jesus' disciples. They're not yours. I'm sorry for being so dramatic here. (laughs) But if you don't do this, we will not reach the world. God doesn't give a hoot for the United States system of economics and church buildings and all that. What he wants is men and women who will pay any price to walk with Jesus Christ and become disciples who do whatever he says. Now, one more thing I want to show you. In the beginning, we're more concerned with what a disciple does than what a disciple is. When mom is helping her babies, She doesn't worry too much that they throw food on the floor. But if you're 15 and you throw food on the floor, you're in trouble. So in the beginning, we want them to read the Bible and pray and come to meetings and all like that. We don't really care how they feel. Oh, we'll help them. We don't really care what they understand. Oh, we'll help them. But we want them to do it. Why? Because the word of God has power. If they'll read it, it will change their life. Later, Like with Danny, <clears throat> pardon me, we don't really care what Danny does. We care what Danny is. You see the difference? And as a person grows spiritually, it changes from activity to character. And many Christians don't get that word either. Okay, I'm going to stop. <clears throat> There's a lot more we could do, but I've done my 20 minutes. Let me stop. Think about it for a second. Any questions? Any questions? If you don't, I'll tell some jokes, but. <clears throat> yes? Yeah. Uh, have you ever had any experience discipling anyone older than you or in like a an <clears throat> in some Yes, I did. The first disciple I tried to make, uh, I was 21, 20, 21, he was 33, and he was a captain in the Air Force. And I was a lowly private in the army. It didn't go very well. Not because of the difference in age, because he did whatever I wanted. But he wouldn't do whatever God wanted. And he eventually quit. So, you can disciple somebody older than you if they will respect. Oh, by the way, I forgot. What did Paul tell Timothy? Let no man despise thy youth, but show thyself an example. I'll use a little King James, King James English here. Show thyself an example in, and, and he lists off all the stuff. <clears throat> Good question. Yeah, you can, but generally speaking, it'll be around your age or, or less. And by the way, there is nobody as old as I am, older than I am. So that's not possible. <laughs> can I ask you a personal question? You bet. Uh, the navigators uh, on, the, on the army base. Oh, oh you mean, the, I'm sorry. No, that, that's, that, that's the Christian group. No, I was in the 52nd Engineering Battalion. Okay. I, I'm sorry to tell you, I probably owe your parents some money. I didn't do anything in the army. They made me a field wireman. I didn't string wire one time in 18 months. Sorry. But I did study the Bible and memorize verses <laughs> and make disciples. I didn't go to NOM. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Danny? Right, if, you're, if you have a disciple, somebody who's in that second step there. Yes. And you're really struggling with a, a particular sin. And it just seems like there, there's some success and then failure. <clears throat> some success and then failure. And that goes on for uh, a while. Yes. I'm In, in or maybe I don't want to resphrate the question, how do you help them when they're in that situation where they're, yes. they're doing well but they continually uh um fail? Okay. So let me ask it this way. What do you think mom would do if her three or four year old keeps throwing food on the floor? What will mom do? Discipline. She'll discipline the child. What if the child keeps it up? What? Worth Harder discipline. What if a child keeps it up? That's right. But now let me tell you, there's two things here. To to you, they may sound contradictory. There is selection in disciple making. There is not in parenting. Mom can't say, okay, I have four children. This one's an idiot. I'm going to just forget about (laughs) it. Sorry, you don't get to do that. <laughs> this child won't obey me, therefore I'm just going to forget about this child. No, you don't get to do that. But in disciple making, you try to help that person. And now I'm going to say, what I'll do there is, I'm going to, we're going to have a heart-to-heart talk. And I'm going to say, now friend, why is it that you won't give up this pornography? Let's talk. I can't. Okay, let's talk about what has to be done for you to be able to do that. You don't have a telephone anymore. You don't, have, you don't get to use your computer or your telephone alone or anybody else's computer. And you don't get to go into bookstores and buy stuff alone. We're going to go to the mat on this thing. If that person refuses. When Jesus is trying to help someone and they refuse to cooperate with Jesus, what did he do? That's right. He didn't do it. What did Jesus do with the rich young ruler? Let him walk away. Yes, that's right. Actually, Jesus walked away. Jesus doesn't run you off. He leaves. And if you don't follow, that relationship is over. And that's what you'll have to do with a disciple. This is not, now, raising children is a little different here because you have to stick with them no matter what. Disciple making is not quite the same thing. Always be their friend, always be their forum, but find somebody else to disciple if they refuse to obey God. Selection. Jesus picked the 12. One of them we know why he picked, we'll discount that, Judas. There are many people who wanted to follow Jesus. Some of them did, some of them didn't. They didn't get to be in the 12 group, that's a little different. But guess where the 120 came from? 11 of those were apostles. The rest were disciples made by disciples during Jesus' tenure because he didn't work with them personally. Great question. Does that answer that? Okay, any other questions? <clears throat> Yes. Same answer. So I don't do it quite this difficult, but a guy in the Navigators, Leroy Ames, used to, when he met with a guy, not to disciple because he was much more lenient then. But when a guy wanted to be a leader, Leroy would say, meet me at my house at 530 a.m. on Saturday. These are soldiers. Soldiers are off duty usually on Saturday. You want me to get up at 530? I get up. That all through the week. I'm not doing it on Saturday. I understand. <laughs> you want help? You come at 530 and I'll give you help. So you begin to make some choices that are hard. And if that person won't do it, find somebody else. The answer is the same. So when Jesus gave requirements, notice in John chapter 6, when they all walked away, do you remember what Jesus said to his twelve That's right. <laughs> what if they had walked away? What would Jesus have done? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. No, come back. Uh-uh. Start over. You're not holding Jesus hostage. So it's really the same answer. <clears throat> Don't want to be too harsh here, but at some point there's a choice to be made. Okay. I think we're out of time. Who's in charge? Okay. So let me pray for us. You can shut that down. Let me pray for us we'll quit. Lord Jesus, thank you very much. Lord, these men and women have a chance to turn the world upside down for Christ. Would you help them be tough as well as loving and make disciples? In Jesus' name, amen.